is worthy. God, you are worthy of all the praise. Amen. Oh, let's do something a little different. Why don't you reach into your pocket and pull out a smile and go give it to somebody real close by and say, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Would you do that? Just reach over. Hey, give them a smile. They need it. Yeah. Oh, what an honor it is to be here today. It has been a few days. But it's like every time we come, it's like walking into home. Uh, when my grandma and grandpa lived, uh, every time we would go, usually on Saturday, uh, to their house, uh, mom and dad would load us uh, boys up. I, my two older brothers were usually gone. My younger brother, Larry, and I were, uh, my parents would load us up and we would uh, we'd go to grandma and grandpa's house. And it was always, when you walked in, you knew that you were in a place of love. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? And I want you to know, just coming to the church here at Bentley, it's, it's just like coming to grandma and grandpa's house and just walk into an atmosphere of love and just where people love each other. They love God and, and they even put up with me and my sweet wife. I want you to know that I did not forget Father uh, 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 Valentine's Day. I didn't, uh, you know, uh, well, hey, look, I'm, you know, I got to put in for Father's Day every chance I get. Yeah. <laughs> but I had promised her I would take her to uh, the best restaurant and she could order anything that she could from the menu. Spare no expense, I said. And then, lo and behold, Dairy Queen in Bridgeport closed. So I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to go to Plan B. So, oh, but it is great to be with uh, your pastor and his wife, Brother Bruce and uh, Sister Donna. They're they're more than just uh, good friends. They're the best friends, and we're very thankful for them. Uh, <clears throat> I have. Uh, something I want to share. I hope that I can communicate it well. Uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. And uh, uh, I was praying after uh, Brother Bruce asked uh, if I would uh, share with you today what what I could what I could share that would be helpful and this is what the Lord gave me now if it doesn't go right it's not the Lord's fault the ingredients are good it's up to the cook to get it on the table right 
So you, if you would just be patient with me, I'm going to do my very best, okay? Let's read it. It says from verse 14, chapter 6 of 2 Kings. So one night the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city of Dothan. And when the prophet's servant got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Alas, my master, what shall we do? This servant cried out to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for our army is bigger than theirs. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes so that he could see the horses of fire and chariots of fire everywhere up on the mountain. I want to draw your attention to verse 15. It says, Alas, my master, what shall we do now? Lean over somebody and say, what are we going to do? Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 20, Second Chronicles chapter 20, New Living Translation as well. And I want to pick up in the middle of a prayer offered by King Jehoshaphat, he, the king of Judah. And verse 10 in his prayer, this is what he's saying. And now see what the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You wouldn't let our ancestors invade these nations when Israel left Egypt. So we went around and we did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land which you have given us. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We have no way to protect ourselves against this mighty army. And would you read this out loud with me? And we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. My topic today is bringing Sunday's blessings into Monday's problem. Bringing Sunday's blessing into Monday's problem. Pastor Bruce, would you stand and just ask God to help me out on this because I'm... I don't know what to do. Dear Lord, we give thanks. We just ask your anointing on your word. And your word is already anointed, so we ask you to anoint our hearts to receive the word. Let us understand those things that must be needed in our lives. I pray that you would bless those lives. Listen to the word giving a free, a free heart to deliver today in the name of the Lord And everybody say, Amen. Uh, every sermon, at least with me, begins with uh, something that happens that inspires thought that is translated into a message. This particular message uh, has the same history that if you know, uh, are familiar with me on 
uh, Facebook, uh, what I like to do is I usually share two or three uh, inspirational quotes, sometimes five or six or seven or but I like to share inspirational quotes that, that is a sermon in, in, in a sentence or something to build faith, to encourage the body. And so I want to share with you a quote that I made that caused me to have such blowback that I was stunned. Now here's the quote uh, uh, that, that, that created a tornado of criticism. This is what I wrote. The path to prosperity begins with complete obedience to all of God's commands. Everybody, everybody good with that? I didn't want to have to fight my way out of here. I mean, it got ugly. I, I was called names. I, I mean, they did not only disagreed, they disagreed vehemently. And I'm thinking, don't you guys read the Bible? I, now, now, just in case there might be any doubt or, or worry, I, I asked your pastor uh, to read Psalms 35, 27. He's going to read it from the holy anointed King James Version Amen. so that you know that, that I'm not making this stuff up, okay? All right. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God delights when you prosper. You know, we, you know, he has the cattle of a thousand hills, all the gold in the hills. It would be horrible that we would serve a God that, that you know, has got all the wealth of the ages and that he looks and says, I don't want my kids to have nothing. I, if, I, if I called his name, your pastor and his wife would know who I'm talking about, but for, for privacy's sake... I, I will I'll just, I preached, a, uh, well, I didn't preach the funeral, but, but I, I, I was listening to a, a guy uh, that was a member of our church, but he got upset because uh, he was doing something that was wrong. And when I spoke to him about it, he, he got offended. But, but this is what I heard him say uh, in our conversations. And he said, I'm not leaving my kids nothing. Because my dad didn't leave me nothing. And when he died, guess what he left his kids? Well, actually, he did. A mountain of debt. What I'm saying is that we serve an awesome God. And he loves us. And he wants to bless us. And he wants us to live in prosperity. 
But somehow or another, that does not translate. We shout about it on Sunday, but, but during the week when life sets in, we struggle with the concept because sometimes life doesn't go well. Sometimes it doesn't go easy. I quoted back to those that, that, that were criticizing me on the Facebook pages. It's not the will of God that people perish, but people will. It's not the uh, will of God for people to be sick, but people are sick. Did not Jesus pay the price that we could have every healing of our every affirmity? Yeah, it's not God's will that we are sick. It, it's not God's will that we walk around in fear. For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. <clears throat> Amen. Just because a lot of people are struggling with issues, it doesn't mean that it is the will of God. God has blessings for you. God has healings for you. God has deliverance for you. All that is necessary is for you to recognize the love of God that is available and stand on his promises and allow God to do what all God would love to do in your life. So I was talking to God uh, you know, about uh, the service today. And I said, God, I want to somehow or another communicate to these people. My friends, they, these are some of the best people. I, I want to communicate them this, this truth that, that you love them and what they feel on Sunday, they can enjoy the blessings on Monday. Okay? And, and then the Lord says, well, all you need to do is uh, rem start remembering. And the Lord brought back a, a, a conversation I had with a friend of mine back in late 70s when I was living, uh, as Sister Wiltshire and I, in North Carolina. And I was working for this guy who was, uh, uh, he was just a, a godly man. And, and uh, in our conversation, he started telling me about a sermon that his pastor had preached. And, and it was on faith. It was, uh, nudge your neighbor and says, man, I love those sermons on faith. Oh, yes. Oh, when the preacher gets up there and he says, God, can and nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Oh, man, you could stir up a crowd preaching like that. And, man, and, and, and my friend said, this was a stem winder. Now, you have to be as old as me and your pastor to know what a stem winder is. Now, a stem winder is one of those that, uh, well, maybe you've heard of a wound up like an eight-day clock. I mean, you, I mean, it was, woo, people were running the aisle. People were dancing. They were shouting. I mean, they were flopping on the floor. I mean, they were walking pews. Ooh, everybody say it was Sunday. 
Oh, yes. Have you ever been in a service like that? You know, some, you know, sometimes you get a preacher up there, and I mean, he is like nitroglycerin. I mean, boom, and I mean, the whole place goes up. Everybody's, what a service. And everybody, uh, somebody I was talking to earlier in the week, and they said, oh, my wife, she got drunk in the spirit. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen some of that. But, I mean, she just got soused. She just didn't get a snoot full. She got soused. And he had to take her out to the car, put her in her car, take her home. She was drunk. That was Sunday. And this is one of these kind of sermons that this preacher was preaching to his church. And finally, everybody got through shouting. Finally, things calmed down. Finally, things were quiet and they dismissed. And this pastor comes to my friend and says, man, I got a problem. I've got a son that's going through something. He said whatever the problem was and says, I don't know what to do. And my friend says, you just preached on faith. I mean, you preached the power of God. And I mean, it was just a magnificent sermon. Everybody just, and the pastor said, oh, that was just a sermon. Somehow or another, In our exuberance of life, we didn't mean to. I don't think it was intentional. But somehow or another, we have separated our Sunday's service with everyday life. That the God that I feel in the service on Sunday I may not feel as closely as it is as I do on Monday because while I'm inspired on the preaching that I received on Sunday, and y'all have had some awesome preachers. Y'all have got some awesome preachers. I mean, you've got some awesome teachers, and the Word of God comes over with, with, with Brother Bruce and and and. and Keith and all the other people that, that minister, you could hear it and feel it on the, on the uh, broadcast. It's powerful. And we feel God when the choir sings. And we feel God when, when the specialists that sing. And, and we are in congregations. But when we get alone on Monday, when, when the Shout is over on Sunday. Monday brings its problems. And for some reason, we feel more comfortable going back to our default mode. Now, in church, I'm like Bubba Snubalopsky. It's a good friend of mine, old Bubba. 
<clears throat> it was one of those stem winding services. I mean, he was, you know, he was in it. I mean, he was in it. He was in it. And, 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 and the pastor made a mistake of wanting him uh, to testify and says, Bubba, come up here and testify. And old Bubba, oh, he ran up there and he grabbed the microphone. And he says, I feel God in this place. I'm not afraid of the devil. I mean, I, if the devil would show his face, I would put my footprints all over it. Next day, Bubba Snubolovsky was walking down the grocery store, and the devil showed up. Said, hey, Bubba, I heard you were looking for me. And Bubba started stuttering. Oh, oh, well, uh, <coughs> Well, you know, you, you know how it is. Uh, I didn't mean, I didn't, I didn't mean all that. Uh, I, oh yeah. Sunday, I, you know, we we feel like we can conquer the world, but but on Monday, life sets in, and and default mode sets back in, and 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 we panic and. Well, let me just take a survey. Let me, you know, it's just us. I, I'm, I'm family. You know, you, you, uh, if, you know, how many of you have, have had a crisis in your past? Oh, yeah, pretty much everybody. How many did, of you that had this crisis, did God deliver you? What do you think is going to happen at the next crisis? Let me let me tell you about Gehazi. You know, I've heard this sermon uh, about this text preached on so many ways. Where and and the focus has always been on the faith of Elisha, and it's always been on what God can do, and it's always been upon the there are more with us than there are against us, and and there are you know all of the you know all of that, but very rarely do people stop and look at Gehazi. Gehazi was a servant of Elisha. And, and what he saw uh, as a young minister coming up under the prophet Elisha was amazing. Yeah, he, he saw what, what, you know, the, the iron float and swim. I would have been just tickled to see it float. But it swam. I mean, he, nobody had to go out to the water and pick it up. It just came to him. Everybody says, shouting time. Yeah, he saw where, where there was a stew that the prophets were making and, and, and somebody put in the wrong ingredient and, and so it was poisonous. And so they come to Elisha. Elisha, what are we going to do? Elisha took some salt, put it in the stew. Boom, it is now delicious. And healthy, nutritious. Gaze, I saw that. Then Elisha.
Elisha started telling, hey, don't go down that place over there because the king is sending his army over there. You want to avoid that. And then the next thing, hey, Elisha said, the king is going to go over to this direction with his army. Avoid that. And it got so bad that Elisha kept telling what what the king of Syria was going to do that the king got suspicious and he was thinking, there's a spy among us. Who among you is the spy? And even the Syrians knew this. Hey, king, it's not a spy. It's, It's God. God is telling this prophet Elisha, whatever you whisper in your bedroom. And Gehazi saw this. Gehazi heard this. Now, all of the shouting, all of the miracles, all of the great moves of God, he wakes up one morning and he goes out to the walls of the city of Dothan and he looks out and there is the Syrian army and default mode kicks in Ah! we're surrounded there's there's bazillions of them there's trillions of bazillions They're everywhere. We're surrounded. We can't get out. We're doomed. Nudge your neighbor. We're doomed. We're doomed. I mean, and he goes running to the prophet and says, what are we going to do? Stop. Why was the army of Syria there it is because God had been telling Elisha everywhere the army was going to go don't you think that God would have told Elisha that the army is coming And if Elisha saw fit not to leave before the army got there, Elisha had a plan that he got from God. But default mode kicks in. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Panic! Fear! I mean, and, and, and from what I understand... From growing up because I faced the same problem. It doesn't matter how many times God delivered us in the past. It seems like no matter how many times I shout on Sunday, it just seems like that when life comes down on me, I still struggle with fear and anxiety and worry and panic. We've, it becomes a problem when we reduce our walk with God, the faith and, and the enjoyment of the presence of God to just Sunday. 
Let me, let, me, let me ask you this question. Where is God at with you on Monday? Is God on vacation? Is he going to... <laughs> let me ask you this. How real is God on Monday than, than he is compared to any other day? How faithful has God dropped off on Monday to his promises that you enjoyed on Sunday? <clears throat> I, had a, I had a friend, it's Bubba Snubelopsky's brother, Joe Bob. Now, Joe Bob Snubelopsky. And I prayed every morning before we would go to work. And, and, and there would be those mornings where I could hear him in the other room, blah, and he would be talking in tongues. And, ah, and I mean, he's with it. I mean, he's with it. Ah, and I mean, woo, and uh, he's ready for the rest of the day. But then there's those prayer times that Joe Bob and I had where... It was as dead as last year's leaves. Have you ever, I know y'all have not had that. Anybody? Have you ever prayed and you didn't feel God? you ever prayed and you just wondered if God heard your prayer? Have you ever prayed and you, you felt like that the prayer hit the ceiling and just dripped back off and hit you on the head? Uh, this is Joe Bob. And Joe Bob said, I can't feel God. And it was a horrible, no good, rotten, terrible, stinking day for Joe Bob the rest of the day. And I kept trying to tell Joe Bob, God does not depend on your feelings to be God. And God does not depend on, on you talking in tongues to have power and glory. Our God is God. No matter what I feel, no matter what I'm going through. But this is a human problem. It's not just located with Joe Bob. Israel was the same way. You know, they, they, they were leaving Egypt with, with wealth. They were leaving Egypt healthy. They were leaving Egypt. And then they came to the Red Sea and they panicked. What are we going to do? And Moses, you know, after God instructs him, holds up a dead stick, wind starts blowing, and the Red Sea parts, dry ground, on, and, and they walk across on dry ground. And, and if you keep reading the story, Deborah, uh, Moses' sister, got a tambourine, and they started dancing and singing. Oh, oh and they, a whole chapter of their song, and their Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And I mean, they're going after it until they get to the waters that were bitter. What are we going to do? 
The same God that delivered you with a mighty hand out of Egypt that crossed through the part of the Red Sea is still the same God that was with you today as he was yesterday. He hasn't changed. They throw, they throw a dead stick in the water. It turns sweet. All's good. And then they need food. What are we going to do? God sends manna. We won't meet. What are we going to do? God sends quail. Poisonous snakes start killing them off. What are we going to do? God tells Moses to form a, a brazen serpent, hold it up, and anybody looks at the serpent, brazen serpent will be healed. But, but you see, are you seeing the pattern? It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. But when you're in the crisis on Monday, all of the shout that we had yesterday just seems to evaporate. And here's my sermon. The problem with problems is that too often we don't feel the presence of God while we go through the problem. And because we don't feel the presence of God on Monday like we did on Sunday, we struggle with our faith. We struggle with problems like relational problems. We struggle with financial problems. We struggle with health problems. We struggle with spiritual problems. We struggle and, and we worry and we fret because the shout that we had on Sunday has evaporated under the weight of the adversity on Monday. But God is never limited to our feelings. God is with us always. Shout with me. God is with us. He's with us on Sunday. He's with us on Monday. He's with us in the shout. He's with us in the problem. He hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. We shout about it, but we have to get it deep in our spirit. God is with me. The absence of God is not the problem. A problem is this. It's our awareness of his presence. As far as Elisha was concerned, God was already aware of the problem. This didn't come a surprise to God. And your problem, my problem, our problem doesn't come as a surprise to God. He is already on the scene with his solution, even though we don't see it and we don't feel it. God, before Gehazi ever woke up, God had already said, okay, angels, Michael, I, I want about 12 legions of angels chariots, swords, get ready. Nothing is going to happen to my son. Come on. Are, are you with me? Before you woke up, 
this morning. God knows what trials you will face. And already, would you shout already? He is sending answers. He is sending provision. He is sending the solution. Before you wake up, you, before you even pray, before you even ask, he's already on the seat working in your life to bring victory. And this is something that we've got to understand. God's provision will always exceed the, uh, the need that we face. Gehazi, I looked out there and, and the city was surrounded by Syrian army. But when God opened his eyes, he could see that the mountains were full of angels and fiery chariots and Elisha nudged him and said they that are for us would you shout it are more than they that are against us I want you to know no matter what you are facing, God is going to give you more than what the problem requires. No matter how many enemy come against you, they will come against you one way. God is going to scatter them seven ways because he wants you to prosper. He, wants, he delights in you. You are his child. You are his beloved. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you on Monday. Day. He's not going to leave you on Tuesday. He's not going to abandon you on Wednesday. He's going to provide. He's going to provide everything and more than you need. If truth be told, all that Elisha needed was one angel. Because when King Behenadad come with, with a massive army against Jerusalem. The, the prophet declared the word of the Lord and one angel slew, if, if I'm not mistaken, like 180,000 of the enemy in one night while Israel and Judah slept. I'm not for sure if you got that one. While Judah slept, God was fighting the battle. There was no hoedown at, at the sanctuary. There was no, you know, waving and jumping up and down. It was just people, okay, we're going to trust God in this. We're, we're not going to panic. We're not going to allow fear to consume us. We're not going to run from the enemy. We're putting our confidence and our trust in the God that delivers. And while they were sleeping, the enemy was slain until there was not one living soul. What is needed 
is that somehow or another we have got to take our Sunday blessing and we got to put it deep in my heart, your heart, and say, look, the same God that I shouted about on Sunday, he's going to fight my battles tomorrow and he's going to fight my battles Tuesday and he's going to fight. I may not feel his presence. I may not feel the joy. I may not be blessed uh, like they, I do when, when the choir sings but I know God is on the throne. I know God is in charge. I know I belong to him. I know victory is mine. I don't have to feel anything. I just have to know that I am in the hands of a living God. The second mistake that Gehazi made was that he did not know the value of having a relationship with God. He was a son of Abraham. And if you will read your Bible closely, you will find that because of God's covenant with Abraham, everything that a descendant of Abraham will receive goes back to the covenant of Abraham and God. Let me see if I can put it another way that will make better sense. If I am a descendant of Abraham, then whatever God promised Abraham belongs to me. And it's for my use at any time any place, anywhere, under any condition because God is faithful to his covenant. And if you are a child of God, you are a joint heir through Christ to all of the promises of Abraham, which means that the favor of God, the blessings of God are upon you because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, which means that no matter where you are, what you're going through, the blessings of God are upon you. The favor of God is upon you. All you have to do is access your promise. God has given us seven powerful weapons of war. The name, the blood, spirit, the word, faith, prayer, and praise. These are weapons that God has given us that when on Monday, when, when Satan shows up and Bubba Snubolopsky is knocking his knees together in fear, you can stand up and say, Satan, the blood of Jesus Christ is against you. You were defeated on Calvary and you were put to an open shame. And the same blood that washes away my sin will protect me from every attack that you may deliver against me. You're going to put Satan under your feet on Monday just like you do on Sunday. I gotta quit. Oh, I got a ways to go, but I gotta quit. 
there were three nations that decided they would unite and once and for all they would get rid of every single Jew in the land. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? And they said, we're going to unite together. Our army is going to be more powerful, more formidable than anything that they can throw up against us, and we will cleanse the land of every Jew. And Jehoshaphat and all of Judah panicked. We don't know what to do. And then came the word of the prophet and said, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is let God fight your battles for you. It was a shouting service. God's going to, everybody's, everybody say, it's good. God's going to do it. Everybody's with me. Let's go. We're going to have a big tree in the place. And everybody say, the next day. Preachers done quit preaching. Choirs done quit singing. And it's Monday. And the king gets up and says, all right, you singers, get a songbook. I think there's maybe one in front of you. Would you get that? Just just reach in front of you, right in front of you. Get a songbook. Yeah, you see? Yeah, get a songbook. Yeah. All right. We're going to go fight the enemy with a songbook. No, No guns. No tanks. No F-22 Raptors. No, no mortars. We got a songbook. We're going we, to whip the enemy, three nations, with a songbook. Yeah, come on. Now, I will tell you, I'm like Bubba Snobolovsky. That sounded real, that sounded real good Sunday. Yeah, that, that did. It sounded real good Sunday. Just don't do it. Just don't do anything. God's going to fight your battles. Yay! But now, a songbook? Are you kidding me? How in the world can you defeat armies with a songbook? And so, they begin. And if you would look at the verse... Think, I'm, I'm not for sure off my memory, but I think it's verse 25. It says, and when the singers begin to sing, God sent ambushments against the nations attacking. Now, let me, let me give you a principle, and then I'm done. And the reason why that I, I, I've just felt so, so much wanted to preach this today because I just consider you my best friends. 
oftentimes we have a difficulty of singing and worshiping in the midst of adversity. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Let me ask you this. In stock market, when the stocks are going up, everybody's buying. Would you? But when the stock market is sinking, only the wise buy. Because they know it ain't always going to be like this. And the best opportunities to get the best buys is when everybody else is panicking. So what, 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 what all is this sermon about? It's just two, two, two things. When everybody else is panicking, they that know their God. Give me that songbook. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have to flee. Tell me who can stand before us when we go in his great name. Jesus, Jesus, just Jesus. We have the victory. One more thing, and, and if I'm, I, I, I want to be very careful how I say this because I don't want to impose my convictions on you. But you know what people usually do when the economy goes south. They cut back. They cut back on their living. They sell off their, what they don't consider that they need. And they cut back everywhere they feel is not a necessity. But they that know God will understand that the blessing is in the sacrifice. There was a lady in Zarephath. She was down to her last handful of meal. And the prophet shows up and said, would you give me a glass of water? And as she's going to get it, he says to her, hey, well, why you at it? Fix me a little cake so I can eat it. And she stopped, look, 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 preach. I only got a handful of meal, just enough for me and my boy. No more. And then we're going to die. You're going to die. We're going to die. She's got faith to die. And then this, this crazy preacher says, fix me first. And then you can fix for you and your boy. That's just like a money-grubbing preacher. Yeah. 
why I don't go to church. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I better get back to my sermon. By faith, the woman understood that her blessing was in her sacrifice. She understood her miracle was in her sacrifice. Instead of selling out, she gave. She gave what she had. And because she gave, God made sure that she never ran out as long as the famine existed. But it's more than that. Not only did she have enough for herself, and her boy, but also the ministry because she kept giving. The reason that I'm preaching this is that for too long I have lived on Sunday's blessing and forgot what it meant to live out every day on Monday. You may receive bad news tomorrow but I'm here to tell you, God is with you. And if you will give God the glory and the praise, stand with me, I'm, I'm done. If you will give God the glory and the praise, he will provide everything that you need as long as you need it. Come on, come on, somebody shout it. As long as I need I'm not just going to shout on Sunday. I'm going to take what God has given me and I'm going, to, I'm going to rub it in the devil's face Monday. And when he gets his breath on Tuesday, I say, I got another fresh batch of God's promises. I want you to... Mm, because God is just as real on Tuesday as he was on Sunday. And on Wednesday, devil, I want you to come here because I got some more promises of God. Come on, because God is with me. God, I may not feel it. I'm, I may be going through the worst time in my life, but I know I'm coming out because I'm a child of God and he's with me. And what I shouted about on Sunday is just as real in my trial as it is in my victory march. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're going through something right now. And you're down to your last handful of meal. Or you're standing on a wall looking at an enemy that is a lot bigger than you. I just want you to know that you are in the hands of God and that he loves you. And he's not going to see you forsaken. And he's not going to see you begging for bread. And the same God that we celebrate on Sunday He's right there with you through everything you're going to go through this week. And you don't have to be afraid. I'm praying that God will just open your eyes right now to the spirit realm where everything 
that God has available for you will become a reality that you can take away from this place and feast on it all this week. Would you lift up your hands? Go ahead. Father, I'm giving just a few moments for people to determine if they would like to come to the front and just renew their joy in you today. And just to renew their commitment, Lord, I'm going to celebrate your goodness on Friday just like I did on Monday and just like I did on Sunday and just like I did in the shouting service. Is there anybody that want to come and say, here I am, Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this and I'm going to take it with me everywhere I go.